Sorry. Um, I'm going to read a couple scriptures, and then we'll get started. Uh, first of all, I'd like to give honor to Brother and Sister Grant. Thank them for this opportunity to be here tonight. Um, Proverbs 23 and 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Then it goes on to say, Eat, drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. <clears throat> Luke 6 and 38 said, Give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Lord, we thank you today, God, for your mercy and your grace. We ask that you bless your word today, Lord. It go, let it go forth and do what you commission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I'd like to start off by saying uh, last week, I apologize to everyone who was here because I was a little long-winded. And so though if you weren't here last week, you're going to get the reward of me being very short-winded. Um, so... Um, I'm going to get right into is, uh, you know, as many of us know and have experienced, life can be hard. Whoa, everybody moved to the middle. Okay. But in those, those times of hardships, life can be a teacher. And that's the title of my message this evening is Life is a Teacher. Um, I personally myself have never believed that you receive something for nothing. And what I mean by that, of course, salvation, God's mercy, I mean, there's nothing we can do to warrant those things. But I mean, in in, in the, the, the scheme of things, I've always believed in the law of physics that an action causes a reaction. So when you, you do something, something happens. I've never believed there's a silver, a silver bullet um, to fix any one thing, that there's just some, I mean, there's Jesus, yes, God Almighty, but in without a miraculous event taking place, there's just, I, I don't believe there's this silver bullet, you know, that you can pull out of the sky and, and, and make something just transpire out of nothing. Um, I, I don't think that there's a one... Uh, thing that's a cure-all, fix-all. But what I do believe that like a cake or any good meal, if you put all the things together with that and you get it all mixed up and you and you get it um, uh, proportion, the proportions correctly, right amount of salt, pepper, Tony's, um, slap your mama, you know, all that red pepper and you put all that in there, and you, you can either put too much or too little. But anyway, you get the right mix, and things can happen. And I believe it's the same way that revival comes from the right combination of things in the church, in our lives. And number one thing is the stirring by God. If there's no stirring, there will be no what we call revival of souls. Um, prayer, we have to have prayer. We have to have faith. We have to have faithfulness. We have to have fasting, and we taught on that last week, unfortunately. It's in the Bible. <laughs> there have to be hungry individuals. People have to hunger and thirst for righteousness, the Bible says. If they do, then God will grant them that reward. And lastly, there has to be judgment. <clears throat> 
And you might say judgment, and, and I want to use an example. Austin, can I use you? Can you come up here, please? So I asked him, I said, would you come up here, please? Well, I can address you in two ways. I can say, what took you so long? Don't you see all these people standing around? I need you here sooner. Why did you take so long? I, I, what, you walked too slow. You should have ran when I said so. You shouldn't have said sure. should have jumped up and come up. Or I can say, thank you, man. I appreciate you being a part of helping me out here. And, and uh, I really appreciate that. You can be, you can be seated. Um, so there are two ways to handle things, and I'll show you. I'm going to give examples in the Bible. And our first reaction, maybe not y'all's, I heard some people talking about people driving, not properly driving today because it was raining, and I I said, sure, they were not. They were driving way too slow. They were in my way. And so we can look at things as... You know, the example that I, I just presented, but the judgment that I'm referring to is probably not the judgment that you pictured when I mentioned judgment. Because I'm sure you were thinking of the harsh version. How many of you agree? Nobody? I know my wife was. <laughs> not really. She's too sweet. But anyway, and the the judgment, the form of judgment that I want to talk to you about that life teaches us is compassion. And the modern-day definition of compassion is sympathetic consciousness of others and distress together with a desire to alleviate it. The Greek definition is to have the bowels yearn, to be moved, to assist, to to um, have pity on someone. The Hebrew definition is to love and to show mercy. It's still judgment, though. And I believe that if we truly want to see revival and peace tabernacle and souls moved and touched, that all of those elements have to be working and they have to be in the body of Christ for God to reach and touch people. You might say, well, that can't be true because judgment must be harsh. Well, does it have to be? Matthew 7 and 2 through 5 says, For with what judge you judgment you judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And it goes on to talk about pulling the moat out of your brother's eye and so on and so forth. And first clean out your yourself before you can help someone else. It never stated that the brother didn't have the moat in his eye. What it did state was, if you're not in the right condition, how can you help that brother that has the moat in his eye? But first you have to examine yourself and get yourself correct. Or judgment executed in accordance with our way of thinking. Because we think if I'm going to see judgment, I'm going to see somebody have to be punished. 
There's rep, 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 pro camps. I can't even say it. Nah. They have to show that, that they, they've changed. There has to be sorrow there. That's what we say when we see judgment. But Zechariah 7 and 9 says, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment and show mercy and compassions every man to his brother. Psalms 145 and 8 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. Lamentations 3 and 32 says, But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. Lamentations 3 and 22. It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. How we view and treat others I believe, affects us. Life is a very hard taskmaster. taskmaster. But I believe that when, when those times, those times, you know what I'm talking about, when they come on us, we receive what we've dished out. If we have dished out compassion, then the Lord provides compassion. However, if we, uh, we have harsh words and harsh thoughts and harsh meaning as a man is in his heart and it doesn't mean his heart's beating heart that beats you know his blood around his system as he is in his heart in his mind what he thinks he might not say it but what is he thinking so is he so when we stand back and we look at people and we see things in people and our judgment is harsh then whenever those times come to us and they're harsh, maybe we need to reflect back and look and say, oh, what about this individual? What about that? What about this situation? What about that? How were, what was I thinking? What did I say? What did I do? <clears throat> the, the Lord provides compassion. However, many times, we have harsh thoughts to others. The Lord teaches us through life. As we journey through life, and you know what I'm talking about. You've been in those situations and circumstances, and it taught you something. When you came out on the other end, you were a different person, and you were changed, and it wasn't anything that you did. But it's what God allowed you to go through and suffer through for you to get a recalibration of the way that you look at things and the way that you judge things. Not stating, please, I'm not making a general statement and I'm not stating that any everyone that has bad things happen to them are because of that sole reason because maybe they judge somebody harsh or something. But sometimes in our lives, the rain falls on the just and the unjust, Matthew 4 and 5 and 45 states. How powerful, how powerful can judgment be? It can be life-altering. How many of you today sitting here know of someone that is not here because they were harshly singled out, accused, or judged? Harshly. How many of you are here or know someone here 
that received compassion. Let's look to the Bible and see if judgment alters lives. Here a multitude of faithful individuals are following Jesus. They're, they're being faithful. They're listening to his teachings. And notice what Jesus says about them in Matthew 15 and 32. He says, Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude. For now three days they've been with me. They have anything to eat. Now if I send them away, then they're going to faint. What was the response of his Apostles, where are we going to get that kind of food? What do we only have 100 pennies for? What are we going to do? But Jesus wasn't looking at what he was going to do. He was looking at the situation, the circumstance, how it involved those individuals, and what he needed to do to right the ship. And you know the story. He fed them all. Here we see Jesus discussing forgiveness of a brother with Peter. He says in Matthew 18 and 21, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? And the Lord said, I got a better one for you, Peter. Not seven times, but seven times 70 in one day. What was he saying? What Jesus was trying to tell Peter was there is no, no set amount. Your judgment needs to be altered and your way of thinking needs to be altered to fit the situation and the circumstance that brings the outcome of what God desires. So many times we look at a situation and we inject ourselves and say, well, hey, if that was me or if that was I or... But it doesn't involve us a lot of times and it doesn't matter what we think and it doesn't matter the way that we see it but what matters is isn't an opportunity that God has set before you to render something maybe compassion on someone's life that may change their life remember judgment is life altering and and Jesus goes on further through there And he tells the story about how that a Lord had a servant in Matthew 18 and verse 27. And he said, then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him. He was going to put him and his family, he was going to lock him up because he had debt. But that servant went to someone else and locked him up for a whole lot less money than what he owed. And that Lord went and picked him up and threw him in jail. Because he said in verse 33, Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? How many times have you been in a situation, have I been in a situation, and God should have rendered judgment, harsh judgment upon me, but the judgment that I received was compassion. The question is, did I learn from that or did I have to go through something else much worse to realize what God had done for me? We have that example. That was life-altering, to be locked up in prison the rest of your life, you and your family and your children for a debt not paid. 
at first it was forgiveness, but then it was lock him up. To each blind man begging of Jesus, Matthew 20, 29 through 34. In verse 34, notice what Jesus says. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Compassion is life-altering. Jesus, in Mark 9 and 17 and 27, Jesus there's this man that comes to the disciples, and he's got this child, and he's and and he's possessed, and in his uh, his spirit throws himself in the fire, and this man is just beside himself. He don't know what to do. He's brought him to the apostles, and he comes to Jesus, and he's telling him what what is wrong, and he looks at Jesus, and it says, and oft times it hath cast him into the fire. And into waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He was looking to Jesus for a final judgment for the cure of his son. And he said, if you can believe, then he'll, he'll be all right. And he said, Lord, I believe, but help Thou my unbelief. Sometimes when we're in a situation or someone is in a situation, it is, it is beyond measure. It's beyond understanding of the human mind of what we're going through or what we're having to deal with. But whenever you can look at Jesus and when you can reach in the depths of your heart, and you can, you can join yourself with that individual. And you begin to cry out for compassion from the Lord. It can be life-altering in your life. And you notice what Jesus said further along. The disciples came to him and said, How come we couldn't cast him out? And he said, Because this kind cometh out only by prayer and fasting. So compassion mixed with prayer. And with fasting. And how many times did Jesus say, these have been faithful. They have followed me. They have faithfulness. So when we combine the things that God has placed before us, the tools that he has given us, and we can utilize them effectively, it can be life-altering in people's life. Luke 7, 11 through 15. There's a woman and she's in a procession, and here's Jesus. Don't think that your judgment, that your thoughts of a situation cannot change the circumstance in someone's life. You are filled with God's Spirit, and with that Spirit comes great responsibility, and with that responsibility comes great power. God has placed in us a jewel of treasure of insurmountable uh, of value because people are looking people are hungry people are desiring and they don't know where to go and they don't know what to do and it may just be a seed of compassion they might not care how good you can pray. They might not care if you can fast seven days. They may not care that you can quote the whole Bible or that you're faithful to church every day. But if you can come to them with a seed of compassion, here this lady is mourning, weeping, 
And Jesus is on his way somewhere and he sees this funeral possession. I'm telling you that judgment can be like altering for you and for those involved. Because when the Lord saw this lady in Luke 7 and 13, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said, weep not. Oh, really? My only source of, of, of my provider is laying in a casket. And you look at me and you say, weep not. But what she didn't understand was that the compassion, the judgment that was fixing to come from the Lord would give her hope once again. And he looked at the lad and he said, wake up, get up. And he took him by the hand and he arose. Compassion is a powerful tool. How do you think that the story of the prodigal would have turned out without compassion. Luke 15, 19 through 21, verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But he was yet a great way off. His father saw him. And what? And had compassion. And ran and fell on his neck. And kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no worthy to be called thy son. You know the story. He killed the fatted calf. He threw a party. When people come to this church that may have been gone for a long time, that may have done something, that may have got offended, may, when, when, when they walk through those doors, they don't care how much we pray. They don't care how much we worship. They don't care how much Bible we can quote. What they're looking for is, are you going to accept me? Are you going to have compassion on me? Yeah, I might have done some things wrong when I left. I might have done some things wrong since I've been gone. But what, how are you going to judge me? What are you going to look, how are you going to look at me? And it's easy for us as human beings to say, yep, you sure did. You sorry, dirty skunk. Why did you do that? Why? And we'll get the results of that judgment. But what would happen if we had compassion and we showed a love and we showed an appreciation and we made them feel like, hey, we're so glad you're here. We're glad you're home. We, we, we've been missing you. We, what happens? I'm telling you, you may not know the effect that it has, but I assure you it's a heavenly effect. And it's life-altering to people. And lastly, Jude chapter 1, and you read the whole chapter, it's speaking on saving people. What do you do? How do you do it? What needs to be done? Where do they, the dirty, low-down skunks, how come they live that way? Why do they, Cain did this, and Abel did that. And, 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 but in verse 22, listen to what Jesus said. I'm going to start in verse 21. He said, keep yourselves, Jude said, stated, keep yourselves in the love of God. 
looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion making a difference. Now, saints, sometimes it ain't ain't easy to have compassion. I'm sure that there was some along the way that Jesus would have been justified not showing compassion to. But that wasn't an option for him. And if we want to see God move, we have to be sensitive and we have to be tuned into the Spirit. And we do that by fasting and praying and coming to the church and and being faithful in the house of God and and, and worshiping in the house of God and and, and taking care of our our timely Bible reading and prayer at home and our own corporate world so that whenever that individual walks through those doors or maybe you see them somewhere and you get that little down on the inside of you and you think what that's a God thing and that's God saying I'm giving you an opportunity I'm giving you an opportunity for life altering situation in someone's life and you may look at the outside of that individual and you may say nah eh, eh, ain't gonna work ain't gonna happen And you're right. You may be right. Because there was a lot of people right about Saul. Paul. But there was an awful lot of people that were wrong. And when God moved on him, and God made him ready, whenever he came to Ananias, without that God thing in Ananias' life, he would have never had the compassion that he needed to go and pray for Saul to receive his sight. And Saul, therefore, would have never been baptized. And Saul, therefore, would have never received the Holy Ghost. And therefore, half of the New Testament probably would have not get written. So it is important that we understand and we have a feeling and we and we and we are sensitive to the things of God. And I'm finished. Thank you so much for your attention. May the Lord bless you. Be here Sunday for revival and an awesome service. How do you know that? I don't know. I just feel it. Hallelujah. We always have awesome Sunday services. You're dismissing the fear of the Lord. Be careful. And don't drive slow.